Let's go ahead and turn to the sermon portion of our worship this morning. It's more of a devotional. I'll try to keep it short. No promises. No, just kidding. We'll keep it short. Turn with me, though, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Go ahead and get your Bibles ready there. You know, one of the things that we find in the New Testament is that the Apostle Paul expressed thanks for the believers in Jesus Christ at all the churches that he visited. That doesn't mean that there weren't troublesome people or even troublesome churches. We're going to look at that this morning. It's not to say that he didn't still give thanks. In fact, I just want to run through a list. We'll kind of fly through these. Don't, don't try to keep up. Just You can stay in 1 Corinthians 1. I'm going to flip these up on the screen. But Romans 1.8, you'll notice he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. 1 Corinthians 1.4, which is where we're going to be this morning. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1.16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Philippians 1.3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Colossians 1.3, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. 1 Thessalonians 1.2, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. 2 Thessalonians 1.3, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting because your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all abounds toward each other. 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank my God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did as without ceasing. I remember you in my prayers night and day. And then Philemon 4, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. And so you see, Paul was thankful. And it burst forth at the beginning of all of his epistles. He was very thankful for all of these different believers all over the known world. Some of them, like in the case of Romans and Colossians, he hadn't even met them face to face yet. It was just based on what he had heard about them. But I want to bring your attention quickly to two specific churches because I want to contrast those two with the third that we're going to look at. The two I want to bring your attention to are the church at Rome. Notice this time, I'm not highlighting that Paul is thankful. We've already covered that, but he tells why he's thankful for these particular believers. In Romans 1.8, he says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith, and notice this, is spoken of throughout the whole world. Okay, there's there's something tangible that he's hearing about these believers, and he's specifically thankful for that. We go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. You're going to see it's a lot bigger section here. But notice all the red underlined words. He says, we give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe, for from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Interesting churches, both Rome and Thessalonica. Now, Thessalonica was a church that Paul had founded. Rome was not. The Roman church was not a church that Paul founded. And yet you see a couple of commonalities between these two churches. They were living out their faith. In fact, they were living out their faith in such a way that other people noticed it and talked about it. In other words, it was very visible. There was tangible 
fruitfulness. And so Paul can be thankful for that. In fact, it's, it's kind of easy to be thankful when you see somebody doing something that's good. You're like, wow, I'm, I'm thankful for that. You know, I'm, I'm thankful to see, you know, like even as Karen mentioned in the Thanksgiving sharing, the, the amount of boxes packed by this church. Aren't you thankful to just hear about that? I mean, that's a very practical, external, observable labor of love that happened. Really interesting. And so we see these two churches, lots of good things to talk about, but what about Corinth? We're going to contrast Corinth here. And when we look at the Corinthian church, it was not so positive. That's putting it mildly. It was not so positive. In fact, it was very negative. We're only going to look at a couple of verses to set the stage, but look at 1 Corinthians 5.1. This is what Paul writes to this church. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and such sexual immorality as, as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife. Translation, stuff you're doing as believers is making unbelievers blush. What? That's, that's crazy, right? But it's true. This is what we have recorded in the word of God. 1 Corinthians 6.1, dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? In other words, they were taking issues amongst the body, and then they were just going to unsaved courts, suing each other right and left. And again, Paul addresses this as carnality. We'll look at one more verse. We could spend the time developing the book of 1 Corinthians, but you'll see more of this. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe it. Why does he believe it? Well, he'd been there, right? He'd seen this. Before And so he's hearing the exact opposite of what he's hearing about the church in Rome and Thessalonica. He's hearing the exact opposite about the church in Corinth. And so when you go to the beginning of the book of Corinthians, you expect him to say, yeah, I'm just going to skip over that thankfulness part because <laughs> this church, I cannot, I cannot be thankful for them in the state that they are. And yet there it is in chapter 1, Verse four, I thank my God always concerning you. And you say, how in the world could Paul do that? In fact, that's kind of the question. What exactly could Paul be thankful for with a group of carnal believers? In fact, that's the title of the message this morning. How can you be thankful for a carnal Christian? You know, and, and I'll, tell, I'll give you a hint right out of the bat. It's not for their carnality. You're not thankful for their carnal behavior. That's not what we're talking about at all. But it's just, it's getting into the mind of the Apostle Paul. You know, have you ever had to say something nice to somebody that you really didn't want to say and you, and you just, you were convinced you wanted to do it in such a way that you didn't lie? And, and I see that wrestling through the Apostle's mind here. And so I just see some tools here for all of us. How can you be thankful for a carnal Christian? How can you be thankful for someone who's living in carnality? Well, notice the very next phrase in verse four. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for, F-O-R. And what he's about to describe to us is this, five reasons you can be thankful for a carnal Christian. And let's just zip through these. The first one is found in verse four. He's thankful for carnal Christians because of the grace of God. 
Number two, in verse five, they were enriched by God. We're gonna develop all of these in more detail as we go. Third, in verse seven, they lacked no spiritual gift from God. Fourth, in verse eight, God will confirm them until the end. And then fifth, God is faithful, verse nine. Now, if the sermon's already too long and you're tuning out, just get this. Let me give you the spoiler alert. How can you be thankful for carnal Christians? That's the key. Right there. I just, we just circled them all. You see how everything he's thankful for goes back to something God has done, something God is doing, something God will do in the future. And that's what we can be thankful for, even as it relates to carnal Christians. So let's look at this in detail. Let's look first at the grace of God in verse four. He says, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. If you like to write in your Bible, that word by is often translated in. And I actually like that translation better because it reminds me of our position in Jesus Christ. Do you know that God can extend unmerited favor and grace to anybody who simply trusts in Jesus Christ because of who Jesus Christ is? That is is why we can get something we don't deserve. Do you and I actually think that we can live in such a way that we merit or earn forgiveness of sins, merit or earn eternal life? I hope not. That's the common thought of religion, though. You talk to many people throughout the world. It doesn't matter. The common thought is you have to be good to go to heaven, and you ought to just be working your tail off to get to that level of goodness that gets you there. And the Bible teaches something totally opposite from that. Totally opposite. It's not even in the same direction. It's in the opposite direction. The Bible clearly says you're not good enough because good enough is perfection. God's level of righteousness. And this is why the Bible says you're not saved by good works. You're saved by grace. Because grace is getting something you don't deserve. You don't get saved by swimming to the shore and tapping a lifeguard on the shoulder. The light, you are drowning (laughs) and the lifeguard is dragging you to shore. And our lifeguard is Jesus Christ. He is the one who saves. Saviors save by definition. And so Paul thanks, thanks God for these Corinthian believers because of God's grace. You know, what's really interesting about this, this is why he's thankful for the Corinthians, because no matter how much they mess up, their dealings with God is still on the basis of grace. That's one reason to be thankful for a carnal believer, because when God determined to place believers in Jesus Christ, that's the mechanism by which he secures all their blessings. Praise God for that. Nobody deserves that. That's the very definition of grace. In fact, grace once given can never be removed. Otherwise, it was never grace. Grace doesn't have strings attached. Grace doesn't have uh, even extra merit that you have to one day earn. And in fact, if grace can be taken back based on something you do or don't do, it's never grace to begin with because grace is unmerited. The second it becomes merited, it no longer is grace by definition. So praise God, Paul can be thankful even for carnal believers for the grace of God. Let's look at the second one. They were enriched by God. Verse 5, says that you were enriched in everything by or again in him in all utterance or knowledge. And so he's thankful that they've been enriched. They've been made rich. They've had blessings abundantly bestowed upon them. Now it's tragic because carnal believers don't do what? They don't take advantage of these riches. 
They aren't taking advantage of it. And so it's very tragic, but you know what? They still have them. They, they still possess them. Even if they're not taking advantage of it, we can be thankful because they could utilize them at any moment. The moment they confess their sin and begin walking by means of the Spirit, they can take advantage of the resources, the riches that they have in Jesus Christ because it's right there in their bank account. Right there in their bank account. Just got to learn how to start taking advantage of it. So we see the second thing was that they were enriched by God. The third thing is that they lacked no spiritual gift. He says it this way in verse seven, so that you come short in no gift. And so the Corinthians were not last or inferior. That's what that word come short means. And any of the spiritual gifts received from the Lord. You know what that means? That means the moment you're saved, the moment the spirit of God gives you a spiritual gift, you have it in full. It's not progression. You're not working your way up the mountain to, to arrive. You may learn how to utilize it more efficiently. You may learn how to grow in the execution of that spiritual gift, but you have it the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Like a friend of mine used to say, when you get saved, you got all of your spiritual fingers and toes, all 10 of them, right? Isn't that what we look for, moms and dad, when the baby's born? How many fingers and toes? Okay, they got 10, whoo, they're healthy, right? Well, spiritually, we're born with all of our fingers and toes. We got them. Now it's a matter of learning how to utilize them. And here's what's incredible about this statement. God has gifted all of these Corinthian believers in such a way that he wants to use them. They are still highly useful to them, although they are living carnally. If they can begin to learn to walk by means of the Spirit, God can still use them. He never removes the gifting due to carnality. And you know what? That's something we can be thankful for in carnal believers. The fourth thing, God will confirm them until the end. We find that in verse eight. It says this, who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word confirm means to make reliable, to warrant security, to inspire confidence. And why can Paul, be thankful for this. Shouldn't, shouldn't he wait? I mean, these guys are so carnal. Shouldn't he wait? Shouldn't he not make that statement? Well, I don't know if God's gonna confirm you better shape up or ship out. He doesn't say that because it's on the basis of God's grace that God will confirm them. It's on the basis of the fact that God has placed them in Christ Jesus that God will confirm them to the end. This is how he's thankful for them. And what it basically tells us is this, is that the Corinthians glorification is guaranteed. It's absolutely guaranteed. In fact, that verb there, confirm, is a future indicative. It's the way the Greek says it's guaranteed. It's a promise. It's going to happen. And when we put that together with Romans 8, 29 and 30, which says those who are justified will be glorified, we get a big picture concept of what glorification is. And that is the moment you put your faith in Christ, God declares you righteous and he will secure you to the end. That's your glorification. That also is guaranteed. And even in the midst of the Corinthians living carnally, Paul is rejoicing that their glorification is guaranteed. This is, this is incredible. This can only work with grace because man's religion will say, you can lose it or you never had it. That God can take his grace back. That if you turn your back on the gift, God can remove the gift. All these kind of things that we hear. And the word of God is so succinct and so clear and so tied together that that's not what he's saying at all. In fact, why would he say this to them in verse eight, this incredibly carnal church? Didn't we just read the verses? They're making unsaved people blush with the type of sexual immorality they're involved in. How could Paul say this if it wasn't based on Jesus Christ and on the grace of God? 
And finally, the fifth thing that Paul is thankful for is that God is faithful. And really, this summarizes everything we've looked at before. God is faithful, verse 9 reads, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And again, this is the summary. Even though the Corinthians were not faithful, God is faithful. God can never cease being faithful. He's always only faithful. This is the the rejoicing. In fact, what does 2 Timothy 2 tell us? If, If we are faithless, what does God do? He loses confidence in you, right? No. If we are faithless, he what? He remains faithful. This is what Paul is thankful here for the Corinthians because they were not faithful. They were anything but faithful. But this is why he can rejoice in a faithful God. And so again, regardless of their current state in carnality, these believers were called into fellowship with the Lord Jesus. No matter how many bad things they did, God still desires fellowship with them. They're part of the family because you're born into the family. You don't get into the family by behavior. You don't get kicked out of the family by behavior, but you move in and out of fellowship with your father due to behavior. And he desires fellowship even when they're living in a carnal state. And so these are the five reasons that Paul could be thankful for carnal believers. Not because they're behaving, not because they're living a certain way. That's easy to be thankful for that. And we rejoice when we can look at somebody and and see the Lord working in their life. We rejoice in that. And we are thankful for that. But here's another mechanism by which we can be thankful. Even for people who aren't taking advantage of the resources they possess in Jesus Christ because those resources are there, because God is faithful and he secures these blessings, Paul can be thankful. I hope each one of you have a great Thanksgiving this week. So much to be thankful for. Thank you those that were able to share this morning and those that weren't maybe due to just, I mean, public speaking, come on. You know, so one of the biggest fears. So even if you're not, the Lord knows your heart. The Lord knows what you wanted to share. And I, and I just rejoice in even the things that weren't spoken this morning. Let me close this with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for, as Paul says later in 2 Corinthians, thank you for your indescribable gift. The gift that, that came through the finished work of Jesus Christ. We are we just are grateful, we rejoice, we rejoice in all of the blessings that quite frankly, we're still even learning and we'll probably never know the extent of the way that you have blessed us in Christ in such a way, Lord, that it's overwhelmingly understood that we don't deserve any of them. And yet you did it, you determined to do it. And it's all on the basis of who Jesus is and what he accomplished. And we're just grateful, Lord. And we pray for each one here this morning, those listening that Um, this week would just be a time of rejoicing uh, amongst family and friends that we would just stop and mentally consider you and the many blessings, the things that we can be thankful for. Lord, there are some even during this season that um, have suffered tragic loss in their their lives. They've lost loved ones. They've lost family members. And this may be a difficult time of year for them, but may you just comfort their hearts as well as they consider all the other things that they can be thankful for. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.